Hello and welcome to the Hardra Report for our State of the Union special. My name is Edward Hardy and for today's interview, I'm joined by Scott Dworkin. He's the co-founder and lead investigator of the Democratic Coalition, the host of the Dworkin Report, Deputy Director of Barack Obama's 2009 Inauguration Committee, Deputy Director of the 2012 Democratic National Convention, and describes himself as a proud member of the resistance. Scott Dworkin, thank you for joining me. Hey, thanks for having me. Near the start of Donald Trump's State of the Union speech, he made reference to his 2016 America First campaign promise, pledging to put America's interests first. Isn't it a bit ironic, though, for Donald Trump to pledge to put America's interests first when his trade policies and tariffs have hurt Americans, his government shutdown cost the US economy billions, and even his own company keeps requesting permission to hire more foreign workers. Yeah, he, um, you know, he usually puts stuff out there that he would want people to think that they, that he's doing, and then at the same time, he does the exact opposite. And he does that with a lot of different things. And he does that to try and muddy the waters with the different propaganda or other, other things that he tries to spew out there. Um, and, and it really makes that, you know, makes the facts hard to come by because it, it, you know, they'll report on what he said as if it's a fact because he said it. So the president said it. So, um, you know, anything he, he says kind of can carry into fake news, a new level of fake news that we haven't seen before. Um, so it's 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 hard to. Uh, especially with the things like a shutdown where he weaponized it and it made no sense for any American for us to have the shutdown. Um, there were very few Americans who actually supported it. Most people were confused by it uh, and didn't understand exactly why he was holding, you know, Americans hostage for over 30 days and cost us over $11 billion uh, to count so far. Uh, I think that that number is going to expand from here, but he really did a number. And the only thing that I can think of is that if, if you were a person that were indebted to or working for Vladimir Putin or someone like that, uh, these are the decisions that he would make. And, and you know, this is the kind of attack on America where we're it's on the inside, because, again, it just for a wall that he knew he wasn't going to get, that he hasn't gotten where there's no emergency situation where, you know, Republicans were in control for two years and they could have passed this easily. Uh, it's obviously just a, a racist dog whistle for him to say, you know, you know, I don't like Latinos, like, you know, something along those lines when he says wall. Um, so I, I, I think that, uh, you know, the trade policies and everything that he's been doing has been hurting America on the world stage and also obviously here, uh, including the shutdown. And the whole point of that is because he is, uh, you know, the greatest threat to, to America. You talked there about how the media reports on what he said as if it's a fact. Do you think that's one of the problems here is the media's reporting that makes Donald Trump feel like he's able to say what he says, whether it's true, whether it's false, whether it's a blurred line on that? Do you think he feels he's able to go ahead and do that because people will report his quotes in a way that the average person reading the article will just assume that that's the truth. Right. And he'll do that and he'll parrot out uh, talking points or catchphrases that people can then repeat. Um, but he knows what he knows, what people are going to get pissed off about. He knows what people are going to support. 
Uh, and so when he says things, he, he, it's usually, you know, he'll make sure that he says a certain phrase or certain words. And that's usually what they'll report on. There's a lot of coordination behind the scenes between them, Fox News, Daily Caller, uh, and other right wing conservative outlets. Uh, and that is just, you know, that's not journalism. That is fake news because they're, they're just trying to develop propaganda so they can have their opinion out there. They're, it's not, it's not even like right wing politics. It's just whatever he wants it to be. And then they'll endorse that and act like it's a fact. And they'll do that uh, on, on Fox News, obviously, through Hannity, Carlson, Ingram, and, and everybody else that's on the channel, except for maybe Shep Smith. Um, you know, there's it, it really is. It's tough to see because, uh, you know, you'll see CNN and MSNBC and they'll report on different things that Trump says. And they've gotten better at it now. They don't just say Trump, you know, colon, and then they say what he says. Uh, that's not as frequent now. They've actually said uh, before, you know, uh, this is a lie, uh, something along those lines, and uh, or put it in parentheses, this is a lie. Um, and so they they've gotten better at calling out what's fact and fiction, what's what's true and false. But there is a responsibility for them not to be played, them not to go for the quick hit for the ratings, uh, and you know the salacious things that he says gets the ratings. Uh, and, and, you know, when he calls himself innocent or says that, you know, there's no, uh, there's no real investigation that's going on. It's just a witch hunt. Um, you know, these are, these are lies that are monumental. Um, like he even said in his state of the union speech, he even said that the Mueller report already basically exonerated him. That was one of his lines in there. And it kind of slid by a lot of people. Um, you know, and, that was reported on in right wing columns where he said, you know, Mueller report clears him. And there's no report yet. There's nothing out from from Mueller in his office. And there's no signal that uh, what's going to come from there um, as of right now. So um, these are the kind of lies where people need to instead of repeating what he said, they need to say Trump lied about this today and maybe not even repeat what he said. Maybe just call out what the lie is. And then cover, you know, the actual news surrounding it, because uh, the facts, you know, add up into a pattern where you can lie all you want. But when people see evidence, as they have so far, they'll start to believe it. And, and Americans, I think, are not going to be fooled, as a, a lot of Americans had been uh, in the 2016 election. We were tricked into, you know, believing different things because social networks were not on top of it. Uh, other people, other politicians didn't know how to respond to different kinds of attacks. Um, so we've got we've got a lot of work to do. That's that's for sure here in America. You talked about that line in the speech about the Mueller investigation. We're going to come on to it later, but let's talk about it now. One of the lines that stood out in his State of the Union speech was when Donald Trump declared that, quote, if there is going to be peace and legislation, there cannot be war and investigation, end quote. That was taking very clear aim at Robert Mueller's investigation. And that line was met with applause and even a standing ovation by Republicans in the chamber. Do you believe it's dangerous for a president, as was claimed by Democratic lawmakers after the State of the Union, to use this rhetoric and for Republicans to react to those comments from Donald Trump in that way. 
Well, I think one of the things is some Republicans believe he's innocent, that, you know, they believe that he's done nothing wrong and they truly believe that it is a witch hunt. Um, you know, they don't want to look at the facts. They don't want to ask the questions. Like, you know, you can see that in the vote today of Whitaker and how they were going to, how they authorized the subpoena against Whitaker in case he decided he didn't want to answer any questions. All Republicans on the House Intelligence Committee voted against that. All Democrats voted for it, so it passed. Uh, now he doesn't want to investigate. Um, but, uh, you know, the, the key part of, of whether or not when he's, when he's speaking like that and he gets that kind of rally support around a lie or an attack on America, because if you're attacking Mueller at this point, it is an attack on the United States government. It's an attack on the DOJ, the FBI, uh, and their investigatory unit. And, uh, you know, it should be considered as treason. Uh, and, you know, the new definition of it, at least. Um, so it, it's, it's not just, it's not just dangerous. It's reckless. It's irresponsible. It hurts our country. And, you know, it's fodder. It really is not, it, there's nothing of substance or value to back it up. He has no proof that any of that is true. Uh, and I think some people in the room, you know, before Republicans had obviously worked on some chance or, or, you know, uh, we're told also to be as loud as possible, to seem like it was a louder applause than it was. Uh, I think some people laughed during that, you know, thinking that it was comical because they're like, yeah, like, I believe, I believe what he's saying right now. And you're right. You know, it is a, a witch hunt. It should, should not be a, an investigation that's going on right now. Um, but it, it really, it is a, a danger to everybody because if we can't, if we can't get to the bottom of it, if he, if Mueller's discredited and his, uh, report, report or reports are discredited, uh, it's gonna hurt America in the long run. And it's gonna hurt us going into the 2020 election here because we won't be able to resolve, uh, what ha had been done. Um, so we need to be able to figure out what happened in 2016 exactly. And how can we avoid for, avoid that from happening ever again? What protections can we put in place? I mean, that's what this is about. It led into the Trump campaign because they worked with so many Russians. They had Russians on the campaign. They had Russians advising the campaign. They had Russians on the outside of the campaign they were working with. They had Americans visiting Russia during the campaign uh, and other places uh, across the world. Um, and so it's it's you know there's the, the thing that people forget is some of the members of Congress are in on it. And and so th that makes it tough. That makes it tough with some of the people who were voted out of office, like Dana Rohrbacher, but people like Devin Nunes still exist, and uh, Matt Gates and other people like that that are just going to be with Trump until the very end. But it is extremely dangerous for our national security and our country just as a whole uh, if they keep on trying to support and rally around that sort of talk, because even, you know, they may clap like that for real quick, but, you know, then they've got to go home to their constituents and be like, well, I just, you know, I clapped for it, you know, but I didn't really mean it. You know, I support Mueller and his probe. I think he should be allowed to finish. And mo most Republicans, you know, repeat that line uh, because the funny thing is that he got hired by a Republican. Sessions knew that if he were accused, that there would be a placement, and he talked to Rosenstein, I'm sure, about whether or not there's going to be a right appointment for special counsel. So when they removed themselves, you know, it, Republicans 
they could have fired him. They could have removed him from office already. They could have helped Trump out, and they did not. There's a reason why Mueller exists. So I think there's a lot of farce in regards to how Republicans present themselves as well. Um, I think a lot of them are more supportive of Mueller than they lead on. They're just terrified of being attacked by Trump. They don't want to be on his bad side. People like Matt Gates, for example, that you mentioned, or previously in the past, people like Dana Rohrbacher, who's no longer in Congress. How do Democrats, how do Americans react and respond to the actions of these Republicans? I think one of the things that we've been able to do is the protest and make it clear that, you know, the, that uh, we will not accept any sort of alluding even to uh, firing Mueller. You know, right after elections, I believe it was, we had massive protests where Times Square was filled uh, and, you know, hundreds of cities throughout the country were filled to protect Mueller. Uh, and then it was made clear that he had no intention of firing Mueller. Um, you know, everybody had pretty much full support in regards to finishing the investigation because they were outnumbered and they realized that the American people will not stand for uh, any kind of threat against America because a threat against Mueller at this point is very clearly a threat against America. Now, you know, they can act like pundits, the Republican side of things, um, but I think Democrats are going to file the facts and will present evidence. And then the evidence is indisputable. You can't can't really have an opinion on a lot of this evidence. It, it's just a fact. And so if you're saying differently, then you're a fraud and you're lying. And we just need to stay strong, uh, follow the facts wherever they lead. Uh, and I and I think that, uh, you know, the reason the most American people, you know, support Democrats at this point uh, of chasing down the leads is because they know that Republicans were involved and they know that Republicans have been involved with covering up everything. Like why in the world were over 50 uh, interviews on the House Intelligence Committee? Why were they not the transcripts not sent to Mueller? Like what what were you hiding? You know, why did it take so long uh, for it to happen? You know, it, it took Democrats coming in power uh, for that to happen. And there were only selective transcripts uh, sent out to Mueller before by Nunes. And so there's been a lot of different cover-up activity uh, at a massive scale, leaking documents to Trump and, you know, a lot of probably illegal coordination between them as well. Um, but I, I think, again, the, the Democrats feel the pulse of the American people right now. They can more relate to the American people. And I think that, uh, you know, Trump and Republicans live in la-la land and they're not going to be out of it until, you know, a lot more people get indicted uh, for their crimes, their conspiracy, and, you know, what they've done to the United States. So Democrats are, are going to try and, you know, as a whole, it's not about being liberal or conservative. It's about protecting America in a general sense. And if you're either with us or you're against us, and uh, I think we'll start to see as, uh, you know, more people get indicted, I think we'll start to see Republicans have to peel off um, or they'll go down with the ship. At, at this point, I think that uh, Democrats are are winning the messaging strategy as well, just because we're right. You know, we're we're on the right side of history, and uh, uh, I think that most Americans are going to support that. So if he does try and threaten Mueller more, if he does try and stoke the flames, then it's only to it it only makes us stronger because then we just organize more and we become larger in numbers. And, uh, you know, we we can uh, make it so that 
Uh, people can respond very quickly now. We're very well trained in how to respond to these sort of situations and not panic. Um, so, you know, that's where it backfires. He uses the same tactics. We've accelerated ours and we've come up to the same level. Uh, again, we're fighting for our country. He is attacking our country. And so is the Republican Party. And so are a lot of members of Congress on the Republican side of things. So there's a right and wrong. There's patriots and there's traitors. Uh, there's people who are uh, on our side and there's people who are not. And there's very clear divisions here. And I think at the end of the day, when we when it's all said and done, there will be Republicans that go down as co-conspirators uh, in this plot that Trump has, you know, that he kind of plays by ear, it seems. Uh, and it just it just is an endless scandal. Um, I think what's going to be terrible for America is when he leaves office and we're able to uncover everything that we don't know and that we haven't found out about and the wasted spending. I mean, four trips to Mar-a-Lago cost $14 million, and that's what we know about. We don't know how much he charged for his hotel rooms, maybe at hurricane rates, maximum rates of hotels or anything like that. And, he's, you know, it's his property. So if his staff is paying for hotel rooms via taxpayer money, he literally is making money off of taxpayer money. And so there's things like that. He has buildings in Turkey. Like, is he getting kickbacks from uh, condos being built in it there while he's doing business there and also running, supposed to be running America in the White House and administration? Like, we've got so many scandals and so much buildup. It's going to be a while to, to dig out of all this mess. Uh, but I, I think Democrats know that we are responsible, we're the ones who have to be responsible for digging us out of this mess because we gave Republicans the opportunity to, and American people chose, obviously, for Democrats to take over the House. I think they're going to choose for Democrats to take over the White House and the Senate in 2020. One of the big calls that Donald Trump made in his State of the Union address, one of the ones that was most reported, was his call for bipartisanship. He said, quote, we must reject the politics of revenge, resistance, and retribution, and embrace the boundless potential of cooperation, compromise, and the common good. He also said, together we can break decades of political stalemate. Do you believe Donald Trump when he makes these calls for bipartisanship? No, absolutely not. And, uh, you know, that moment when he made that comment about revenge, resistance and retribution, uh, that is when Speaker Pelosi did her clap. And that is, and that was I think she knew that it was a knock on the resistance as a whole because he's equating the resistance, even though it's in between there, he's equating that as revenge and retribution. So when he's talking about revenge, resistance and retribution, he's talking about the resistance as a whole. And he's saying that. We're basically unpatriotic. We're revengeful. Like we believe in revenge and retribution. That's not what this is about. And I think he misses the mark there. Um, Speaker Pelosi's response obviously was great. The, the genuine nature of him, he's, he's just lying when it, when it, you know, he's not, gonna, he's not a person who's gonna tell the truth about, uh, you know, if, or admit that he's wrong about a subject. Uh, so he that was just a blatant attack. He he has no interest in being bipartisan. It's sort of like this. Let me reverse the scenario instead of, you know, a wall. Let's say, OK, here's the deal. 
conservatives. I have, uh, I want amnesty for all immigrants that are here doing work and working hard. Every, every dreamer and everybody. And in return, we're going to give you $1 for the wall. And then they say, well, well that's ridiculous. And I'll be like, well, why don't you want to negotiate? Why don't you want to, why don't you want to negotiate? Huh? That's what bullies do. And that's what they're doing. It's just a setup and it's a PR stunt. And, and that's why, you know, even he wanted 5.7 billion for a $50 billion wall. Like, so he wanted a down payment and he wanted to blackmail the American people for it. And, and at the same fact, you can't even build the wall in the time that he would be in office for. Like he wouldn't be able to do it. He probably wouldn't be able to finish it if he was, God forbid, in office for eight years. And so it's, it's just a, it's just not going to happen. Not, not only the, uh, courts, court battles that they'll have to have over land use, um, but, you know, destroying natural property, uh, natural barriers that don't even need things in between that can't, you can't actually build walls on and it's not going to be possible to do so. Uh, you also have the rest of the borders, which I'm more worried about. Uh, you know, the Canadian border is pretty big. Uh, the ports that we have are pretty big and they have massive things going in and out. And so we have to talk about all angles, not just this racist southern border, uh, you know, where refugees are trying to get into the country uh, and they don't mind coming in legally because they know that the other roads lead to possible death and destruction. Um, but, you know, the, the humanity of it all needs to return. And, and again, I think that we're going to find out uh, not that he's just uh, lying about this attempt for unity and bipartisanship. Uh, he He's made money off of this already, and he would have made money off of a wall being built. I think that he's made money off kickbacks from every kid that stayed in these $1,200 a night cots, uh, you know, being locked up in little cages. Uh, I think that he's made money off of families being separated. Uh, I think he's made money off of everything that he's done. I think that's his personal interest. And I think he probably does it in a legal way, but it wouldn't be, it'd be obviously, obviously corrupt as, as, as heck, um, for him to do so. So his call for, you know, end of this, uh, he, he's bullying people at the same time saying, don't, don't defend yourselves. Don't defend yourselves. I'm here. You know, I, I, I'm good for it. Trust me. And you just have to look at him and be like, all right, you're a joke. Like you can't, we're not going to believe you because you're not genuine. And then you just wait maybe five minutes and then he goes back on his word immediately. You don't even, you don't even have to respond sometimes. He, you know, you know, usually buries it himself. And obviously we, you don't want to attack. A majority of Americans, which would represent the resistance, if you want bipartisanship, you're not going to equate that with revenge and retribution. So it it kind of is like, you know, someone insulting you in a sentence and saying, I don't understand why we can't have an agreement. And you're like, well, you don't like you just you just slandered me. I don't I don't know exactly how I can respond to that. So I I think that it's just more Trump nonsense. He's. Uh, lying about any attempt for a bipartisan. I mean, even before the speech, it came out via the New York Times that uh, it was too soft on Dems, that the speech was not uh, hard-hitting enough on Democrats. And so that's not a person who ever wants bipartisanship. I will never believe that because it will never be true.
and he thinks of us as the enemy. He thinks of us as more of an enemy than ISIS. He thinks of us as more of an enemy than North Korea, and he thinks of us as more of an enemy than China or Russia, uh, countries that can turn off our power at will now. And so I, I just don't, there's no way that I could believe it because it's just not true. It's just not true. It's another Trump trap where he tries to set it out there. He's like, hey, you know, come make a deal with me. And, and you're like, look at him. It's not even a deal. You're, you're you know, you're, uh, you have a bag of crap in your hand and you're trying to sell it to me. And I'm like, I don't, I have no interest in even talking to you about it, you know? And so they have this ultra white wing conservative plan, which we would never go for. And I think that was intentional. Um, for him to keep the government, he wanted a stalemate. He wanted more control over the government and the people, uh, and it backfired greatly, and it will keep on backfiring. Uh, and now, you know, the fear now in Washington is if they do not reach an agreement by tomorrow, then we're going to shut down again. I don't think that'll happen. Uh, I think Congress is in agreement that it should never happen again, and it should definitely never be used to to hurt us. So genuine in regards to bipartisanship, Absolutely not. I think he's full of it. The focus on immigration and the border wall was something that was evident in the speech on uh, within Donald Trump's State of the Union speech. He brought up his demand for a border wall along the U.S.-Mexico border. He talked about the issue of immigration. Despite repeatedly failing to secure funding for his wall, even after he shut down the government for a record 35 days, even after Democrats offered it to him months ago in return for secure status for DACA recipients. Do you think there is any appetite in America for his border wall? And if not, do you think he'll ever accept that? Uh, I don't. I think most Americans don't want it. Uh, and I think it's it, it's clear here. There definitely there's no member of Congress that has a um, is on the border, not one on the southern border that supports a wall. Every single one of them, Republicans and Democrats, are against it. I don't think that the American people want it because they see how bad off Americans are here. You know what I mean? Like they need money, they need support. We need health care for everybody. We need to be, make sure our kids are safe. We need to get guns off the streets. Like there's a lot of more important things. Let's let's maybe uh, make sure that none of our veterans are homeless. Like let's make sure that we feed our kids. Like there's so much more important things where we're not keeping them safe where they're living. And a wall is not going to change that. And that money can be directed elsewhere. And I think most Americans agree with that sentiment. I think that it's only used as propaganda and for a reminder that he's a white supremacist that really, really despises uh, or at least thinks of it as a catchphrase uh, to remind people that he's racist. And that that's what he's really aiming for with his whole wall commentary. I don't think he ever believes it's going to be built. It would have been built already. It would have been started to be built uh, they would have already invested the money. Republicans would have passed it. The reason why they didn't is because they didn't believe in it either. And they would have easily gotten it through. They could have done that in a day. They could have easily gotten that through. They could have easily funded it. He would have signed it. But I think he knows that it's just a, it's a divisive measure where he acts like, you know, he's got all this support for it. He actually doesn't. And then people have to fight over this, you know, divisive issue of a wall 
because people don't want to be attacked by him. So I, I think Republicans even laugh off the notion of a wall now. Now there are some, there are some, a small segment of the population that believe that a wall is necessary. They believe in it and they wholeheartedly think that it should be funded and we're in danger if we don't. Uh, I, I just don't see, you know, if you're a terrorist, you're not, and you're funded, you're not going to slip in through the border. You're probably going to buy a visa via one of Trump's programs or Kushner's for sale programs, uh, and, and slide in through that way. You're not going to take the trek through the southern border. I mean, like, that's just, that's crazy. But even if, even if, uh, someone were, were to slip through, like, I'm not sure if we'd have time between now and even 2020 to, to stop it. A wall won't, won't stop that. Uh, so I, I think smart border technology would be great um, using technology to, to help uh, secure the border. Because, again, Democrats are for securing the border and making sure that Americans are secure. But we want to secure all of our borders. And we want to do it as smart as possible with the least amount of environmental impact as possible and, and so it it's just not genuine because if you look in between it you'd be like okay so what does a wall do and he'll say protect us and be like well how is it going to protect us from a white dude shooting up a synagogue you know well, how's that going to protect us from a dude shooting up movie theaters or schools and it's not and so there's no real answer for why he wants the wall, he just, just believes in it, and it was a talking point, and he wants to follow through with his campaign promise. But no, I think I think most of Americans do not want it and never want it. And I tell you, you know, over well over three quarters of the people who live on the border have no interest in a wall, and they don't want you know they don't want one built in their town. And a lot of them cross the border for work every day, and and in reverse from Mexico to here. And so, you know, you need to be able to get through. But again, it's it's not going to be an open border. There are no open walls and borders. There's no like, you know, free entry. That's not what we're talking about. Uh, we're talking about compassion, empathy, love. And if people need to get in this country because they're going to be murdered at home, then we need to look at every single person individually and uh, be able to assess, you know, are they a refugee or are they a gang member? Like. Democrats are uh, aware of all the different things that could happen. Uh, we just want to make sure that it's fair. We don't want to lock kids in cages as, an, as a deterrent for them to want to come to our country. That's a, you know, a scare tactic. And that's uh, something that the Nazis would do. You know, that's something that ISIS would do. That's something that Al Qaeda would do. This is not normal. And any purpose. And so I think it's just a money suck and it's just a propaganda talking point where it's a racist dog whistle. He can say, build the wall, build the wall. And, you know, when it, it's just not about a wall at all. It's just a reminder to try and get his uh, people that still back him to have a rallying cry. And that's all he has is talking about a wall. I don't even think he knows, uh, you know, how he would build it. At this point, uh, because he, he wouldn't be able to finish it. If he's a one, if he makes it to the end of his first term without getting removed from office, uh, then, you know, he still wouldn't be able to build even like a tenth of the wall. 
if you, even if he got full funding, which he's not going to get because no one wants 50 billion going to a wall. One of Donald Trump's justifications for his immigration policies for building the wall is that he claims, and he did this in his State of the Union speech, that, quote, tens of thousands of innocent Americans are killed by lethal drugs that cross our border and flood into our cities, including meth, heroin, cocaine and fentanyl, end quote. However, most drugs come into the U.S. through legal points of entry. In fact, cartel members testifying at El Chapo's trial said that they brought drugs in through legal ports of entry, but none said they brought drugs across unwalled areas of the border. And beyond that, uh, fentanyl tends to come directly from China through the mail. So a wall wouldn't stop the flow of drugs into the U.S., would it? No. And, and you know, one of the biggest, if not the biggest, border at a border crossing, they caught a fentanyl. I think it was fentanyl. Um, they caught a big, a big shipment on a truck. Uh, I think they had vegetables or fruits or something on it. Um, it, it it's not going to stop the flow of drugs. It's about the people. Like we need to, we need to focus on, you know, where, what is happening in America? Like going back to the source, we're not going to be able to, we have to be able to figure out the entire chain of events, you know, and then you have to either work backward or uh, figure out a way to inform people that you're going to get addicted to this and you're going to die. So there needs to be educational programs. Um, there needs to be ways to get people off of the drugs. Uh, we need to be able to focus on recovery for folks. Uh, we, we also need to figure out, you know, with these, these drugs that are coming in, where are they really coming in from? How are they getting into this country? You know, are they ordering through dark web online or are they ordering through some kind of legal means through a, through a different country's website and then it gets mailed via, you know, a separate carrier or whatever, or they get it legally somehow? Um, you know, it, we got to figure out every part of it. We can't just assume everything's coming through the southern border because it's just not true. That is not the case. Um, and, and even if we even if we shut it all down, there will be another drug that people choose uh, to use that's addictive. And, and so, again, we need to educate kids specifically about not using drugs uh, in general and then, uh, you know, figure out the root of the problem as to, OK, in, uh, it, it's got to be case specific. So, like, if you're in a certain city, it's going to be different for the other city. And so you cannot have a blanket policy either in regards to drugs. Because it's going to be different in Hartford than it is in Omaha, Nebraska. It's going to be different in San Francisco than it is in Miami. And, and so everyone's going to have a different kind of take on it. So you, that, that adds to the problem because it's going to, it comes through boats in some states and it comes through semis in others and it comes through the mail and others more. And, and so you, you know, you have to come up with a very specific strategy that's also got some, some, uh, width to it so that uh, you're, you're able to cover all the bases because you could remove a certain drug from an area and then people start using meth and then people start using pills. Like drug addicts will still use the drugs. And so you're not going to solve the problem by just removing the drug, just one drug or three drugs. The, the, you got to look at all the issues. You got to look at and especially focus on recovery and getting people, you know, back to work and off drugs, 
you know, you got to be helpful to them. We have to be, we have to be helpful to our fellow American people. We cannot just let people rot because they became addicted to a drug. It's a disease. It's something that needs to be treated. Uh, and, uh, you know, again, I think that our states need to individually focus on how they can prevent drugs from coming into their state. Uh, and how they can better assess, you know, who's selling drugs and how can they, how can they clean up communities, uh, so they don't, so they aren't, don't have an influx of this. And it's just, it's really hard because people will find a way to get drugs if they are an addict. They will find a drug to use, um, you know, and, and, uh, that's the, that's the sad nature of it. So I, I, my hope is that every state starts working on it seriously. And then they, a, a joint task force sort of form so that they can inform other states, you know, what's happening in their state. And, uh, you know, if there's, if there's pour over, you know, if drugs are getting shipped from New York into Connecticut, that Connecticut can work with the state of New York. Uh, it's just going to be really hard on a federal level to prevent the complete flow of drugs. Like that is another line where it's like, oh, it sounds nice. Uh, but in reality, Trump's done almost nothing to stop anything. If not, you know, I'm sure that uh, things have increased over time. Donald Trump states in his speech that, quote, in just over two years since the election, we've launched an unprecedented economic boom, close quote. Do you think that Donald Trump's policies, as he claims, are responsible for this economic boom? Or do you think that Donald Trump's policies have hurt the economy? They have absolutely hurt the economy. Um you know, the people who are benefiting are the rich. It's not the rest of the country. When they talk about jobs develop, job creation, it's not real jobs. You know, there's people making minimum wage that have to work three jobs. And so that's credited in the numbers as well. Um, you know, who's actually making the money in this country? It's not, most of Americans are not making any money off this. Most people are terrified. I mean, I think half of America doesn't even invest in any stocks. Most of them live paycheck to paycheck. Like it's just not, it's not the same. The stock market is not the determinant of of whether or not we're doing well as a country. Now, same thing with job growth because the numbers are skewed uh, for different reasons, but it, it it really, there is no boom happening right now. Um, The closest thing I can see is that it's all smoke and mirrors and eventually we're going to, we're going to, experience, you know, devastation in regards to our economy if we keep going down this path. You don't borrow a trillion dollars a year. You don't have the biggest deficit in the history of the country. You don't do these things if you have a boom. And and you don't give tax cuts to the richest and then, you know, stiff people that are lower income. You don't not help uh, most of America and only help the wealthy. I mean, it's the little guy getting screwed over and over again, the working person, the working men and and women of America that are getting hurt, uh, and he's not offering any assistance. You know, a lot of it, again, smoke and mirrors where, like this Foxconn thing in Wisconsin where the building's not actually going to be as expansive. I mean, you see this time and time again where there's not as many jobs as he promised there would be, and there's not going to be. Even when he did the tax cuts, there were people who started making layoffs and closing plants. And because they just didn't, they're like, okay, this is great seed money, 
but it's not going to make us hire more people or keep these people on. And so, you know, he's paying farmers not to farm. Like, there, and he's paying some that are get, getting hit by the tariffs. But there's not a lot of people that are being, uh, you know, there's not a lot of people that are prospering. Like, it's just not. It doesn't exist. And so there is this, like, fake reality that Trump wants to live in. And so maybe his friends, maybe his friends that don't know the price of milk, his friends that think that you need to bring a driver's license to buy groceries, you know, his friends who think that food stamps are for people who are uh, freeloaders, you know, and, and that's just not the case. And it's it's really sad for them to not realize that, you know, we have kids that are starving in the morning, that if they don't have school lunch, then they will starve and do worse in school and not be able to focus or study. And they won't get that food from anywhere else. And some of that, sadly enough, during the shutdown, some of that ended. And so there had to be volunteer groups and people coming together. And that's not, that's, that's what America is about right there is the people coming together. But there is no, there's no economic boom in the way that Trump paints it. And so I, I can see the numbers say one thing, but you know, it's not real jobs. It's not full time salary benefited jobs. It's not, Something where you have health care and child care, like it just doesn't exist like that. People are working their tails off and overworked in this country and getting paid not enough for it. Um, so the economic boom is just another uh, thing that Trump made up because uh, it, it's it's just just not being felt here in America because th- there is devastation everywhere, everywhere. In every single state, there are people getting hit hard. Um, you know, you can look at you can look at any state uh, and usually it's the farmers that are getting hit really hard. And he's like, we're going to we're going to help you. We're going to help you. And then you'll see articles about how they regret ever supporting him in the first place. They're like, he he actually I'm going bankrupt because of him. Like and it's like, well, why? And they're like, well, but we still sort of support him. And I'm like, well, would you do that to yourself? But that it it, it just is. I do not believe that to be the case uh, from the numbers I've seen and the people that I've seen hurt. Uh, this is not a time to brag about our economy because it's just not it, it's not good to have that much debt and to have to borrow that much money. You can't say that we have a thriving economy uh, when we have to you know borrow that much money and be in that much debt. I just don't I just don't believe that to, to be the case. Scott Walken, thank you for joining me. Mr. Hardy, I appreciate it, and thank you for everything that you do. That was Scott Walken, co-founder and lead investigator of the Democratic Coalition. You can find out more about him on Twitter, at Funder, or at DwalkinReport.com. That's all for this week. What did you think about that interview? Let me know on Twitter, at Edward T. Hardy. Don't forget to rate us on iTunes and subscribe. Until next time, goodbye.